Shafi. Shafi, you're here. Night has fallen once again on the hill country surrounding Austin, Texas. Here I sit. I am in front of a microphone. Behind, I am in the proximity of a microphone. I am not, however, behind my microphone in my ivy-covered castle because I am in the guest room of our beloved friend and superfan Manisha's house, and I am sitting right next to a certain podcaster you and I know. That means I am not able to look at the birds on Bill the Landlord's bird feeder, but rest assured they are fed. And I am, in the absence of birds, I am able to actually watch Matthew's hands like butterflies float across the robot, which is sitting right next to me too. This is wild, folks. It's absolutely wild. Uh, one Magical Hour, episode 104. And uh, we're so glad to have you, One Magical Nation. we got some exciting things for you tonight. We have a classic segment, Matthew Describes Children's Films. We have a Yield Workshop coming up for you. We have a news cruise. We have... All that and lots more with our favorite cartographer of the new age, with the man with the sharpest canines on this podcast, the pride of Tarzana, California, Matthew Rampey. Everybody was podcast recording. Their stories were long and boring. I could hear the audience snoring. Is doing that little do 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 is that racist? It's racist, isn't it? Like everything else. Sorry about that. Definitely cultural appropriation. Um, I didn't mean to appropriate anything. I love that song. It relates to my children's movie review. I'd like to point out right at the first of the cast, it's going to sound a little different. We are in, as as mentioned, Manisha's guest room, Manisha's house is concrete floors, high ceilings. Very, not a very lot of, well appointed. We're happy of, to be here. There's not a lot of soft things in here, so it's a little echoey. But um, we, we wanted to come over here to watch the fights tonight. And I just thought we would kill a few birds with one stone. Although sitting next to this bird lover, I wish I hadn't said that. Um, you mean you mean thrill those birds with one scone? Yes, thrilling the uh, thrilling all those birds with that single blueberry scone. Um, I don't know. We we uh, we're gonna watch a little MMA right after this. Oh 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 MMA! For a second, I thought maybe you meant hat fight. Oh no no! I mean the I mean we're here. F- I, we're here because, uh, you know, on Saturday night at Manisha's house. We're not going to have a good old Manisha's house hat fight? We're not going to have a hat fight. Was it hat fight or hat fighting? Here at, here at the Manish Bandari home for wayward bachelors. <laughs> so many have come through As I like to call here it. over the years. Thank you so much, Manish, for the years that, that you put me up here uh, when, I, when I was but a wayward young man with nowhere else to go. Uh, and it's great to be back. We we love Manish very dearly, and it's really fun to be now in a post-pandemic world 
where we can come hang out at our friends' houses. Wow. Wow. I mean, did you ever think that hanging out at your friend's house would like seem like the biggest luxury of the freaking time? I mean, I always knew that it was wonderful and a fun thing to do and a good time. But yeah, no, it's such a special, magical little luxury, a little gem diamond to be cherished and hold on to. No, I never thought about it like that. Until, well, uh, and to address the two podcasters in the room, uh, there are two podcasters in this room. That's another thing that we haven't done since the inception of this podcast. You, you've you had someone at your crib. I had Adam. Had Adam yeah. Over, yeah. But this, you and I haven't sat in the same room and recorded on the same laptop. And let me tell you, ever. One Magical Nation, it is exciting. It's thrilling. There's the fights. We're at our friend's house. We are in an echoey room together. It's just, it's unbelievable. I hope I can, I hope I can hold it together. I have a nice drink. You know, uh, as pretty much everybody in One Magical Nation knows, I am a bartender of the last 20, 20 years or so. And uh, I do a lot of bartending for other people. But when I arrived at the Manish Bandari home for Wayward Bachelors, uh, my good friend and podcasting partner, the pride of Tarzana, California, did some bartending for me. He made me a lovely, uh, took some boxed wine, poured a little... Uh, <laughs> Don't tell him what you're drinking. Poured a little deep Eddie vodka in there and some Topo Chico. Made me a nice Texas-sized Texas sangria. By the way, this is what the customer requested. I did not <laughs> invent this cocktail. That's, we, uh, we collaborated it's on a it. Little, it is a little like uh, a cheap Texas sangria. I like that. Not that Texas is well. Texas is cheap in certain ways, of course. Um, like with the with the power grid. Um, <laughs> no, uh, no. I want to talk for a second about and with and with moral, political morality. No, no. I want to. <laughs> this is an arts and entertainment podcast. Yeah. Um, There's definitely no comfort in Texas politics right now. Let me tell you that. No. Uh, I want to talk just to. I just want to touch on the subject of MMA because I mentioned that we were here. Yes, sir. To watch the fights. And I know that I know that the world doesn't like necessarily need more violence, but I am as a as a great supporter of sport. Uh, it, it's another like avenue for young men to <laughs> to uh, uh, focus and and learn and do a thing that's not war. You're you know? absolutely right, Matthew. The world does not need more violence. However. The world does have some very strong feelings that need to be sublimated somehow. True. And there are healthy ways to do it and unhealthy ways to do it. And I think that sports is a good way to sublimate a lot of, uh, a lot of that, uh, for sure, that energy that, you know, might not always be the most positive energy, but it doesn't have to be negative either. It's just built up strong feelings and emotions and, you know, physical, you know, physical energy too. Uh, it needs to be needs to be uh, sublimated somehow. And I think sports is a great way to do it. Yeah, I mean, I sport, I have always thought that there would there would be more war if we didn't have, like, our national teams, especially, like, soccer. It's such a great example of we play these competitions. The Euros are just finishing the, the finals tomorrow. And, and especially nations in Europe, for instance, uh, they're able to get behind their football clubs and – get the camaraderie that they need and and yeah it's just like a proxy for our our battles between nations that like I wish would probably that, be real if we didn't do more of that I wish we could do it more formally and do away with war entirely yeah, that would be great get yeah. it all out on the pitch yeah, as that, they say yeah, I like that 
I like that. Also, I have to admit to the listener, well, I don't have to, but it might be interesting. <laughs> I did wrestling in high school. I don't know if you remember that. I do remember that. Um, um, also, a fair amount of gymnastics. Is that correct? I did some gymnastics, too. Yeah. In junior high, I did gymnastics. As a tumbler. In high school, I did some wrestling. Uh, I, I like a, you know, a, a solitary competition. You know, it's... Is it's different than team sports when it's just mano imano or answer mano mano or mano imano. I agree. With, like as a tennis player and long time competitive swimmer, I like being in charge of the competition and it only being myself, having only myself to blame, and also you get to you get to hog all that spotlight when you're successful. It's all you. Yeah, it just sounds so. special head trip. Uh, especially with tennis too, like tennis, you know, you're cranking that tennis ball with, and you got like that racket in your hand, like a weapon and you're shooting. It has a real like wild west shootout feel to it. You know, just cranking that thing straight at the other person, you know, and blasting it right back. You, um, you know, I love a metaphorical shootout. <laughs> Let me ask you this though, Matthew, in what manner and to what extent does Matthew, the high school wrestler, relate to what goes on in MMA these days? I mean, not like directly with the moves, but like the whole mentality of a fighter, I can understand what they go through because of the training that I was going through in high school, which by the way, didn't do much for my mental health in high school. Cause I was like cutting weight and doing all those things that sure. you do as a fighter. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, no, I mean, it's obviously a completely different goal. You know, wrestling was about pinning and points, and this is about knocking somebody out. Yeah, I can't even imagine trying to do things like pay attention to an American history class when A, you're 16 years old, and B, you're trying to cut weight. Like, yeah, there was the. And there were two, like during the season, there's two workouts there's a morning workout before school. And then you do school and then there's an afternoon workout. And I remember it was, there was some dark times in there. There was already like some, you know, some stuff going on at home. And it wasn't, high school wasn't an ideal experience for me anyway. High school, I think, is just a dark time for everyone. Well, not some people are like, it's the greatest time of your life. And I always thought, I hope, I hope not. I, you know, I just feel like, you know, we were... We were not subjected to, like, the normal high school clique stuff, right? We didn't, like, I feel like at Lubbock High, we didn't have to worry about whether you're in the in crowd or... Okay, well, I, but I got shipped off to Arlington. For oh, shit, that's years. right. Sorry. So that was and even I worse think it was very typical. Oh, I it, bet was it was very clicky. The football was everything in Arlington. Arlington Lamar had won the state championship the year before. The football players were gods. There were a lot of kids that had money and then there were kids that didn't. And it was just, it was very, like, I obviously found my place shocker amongst the arts and theater crowd, Yeah, <laughs> you know? Um, but, uh, but I don't, but wrestling was really great for me at that time, especially in terms of like, I had a lot of burgeoning rageaholism issues. So you were sublimating some very real. And I was able to focus on that. And I, I mean, it, I think it, it helped me immensely. It taught me how to train, like for my whole life, you know. Um, so I, I think it was invaluable. Our 
our host and and good friend Manish and super fan of the show. Thanks, Manish, for supporting the show and letting us do the podcast here. Seriously, um, he loves MMA, and he he's been in on the UFC since you know the early 2000s since it was his first thing yeah he's an on the ground floor totally and and he's he's a super fan of that and he's very knowledgeable and i've always watching stuff with him is exciting because he's so enthusiastic about it and knows so much about it i i I can only i will say that i'll watch a card and then i'm like oh that was a lot of violence and i gotta take a few months off but then i'll see another fight where i'm like oh that looks interesting some of the fights are incredible some of them can turn your stomach with their brutal bloody violence you know what that reminds me of? I was recently watching this documentary on Disney, Jane, about um, Jane Goodall. Oh, nice. Uh-huh. And it was all of this footage that was shot in the 60s when she was in, uh, her, her, uh, I forgot I forgot her station that she went to and lived with these chimpanzees. But, you know, her first couple of years there, she... She viewed the chimpanzees as like us, but nicer, right? And then there was the death of this matriarch. And then that's kind of split up her kids and it sort of split the tribe. And this group of the chimpanzees went south and some of them stayed. And then like later in the year, they tried to come back through this territory and they got into this melee and it was there were some really brutal, horrible things that these chips did to each other, and like that was really hard for her, you know, to realize that they're no, they really are no different than us. Turns out, <laughs> brutal violence is something that's uh, hardwired into all of our all of our uh, genetic makeup. I feel like you don't ever hear about groups of dolphins meeting up and fighting each other. That's further proof that they're a, a little further ahead of us. You know what I mean? But dolphins might be mean sometimes. I don't no, know. No, only the sharks. When really? sharks yeah? are mean. Okay. When sharks are being mean. No, you don't hear about dolphins fighting. And then there is that whole bono- bonobos thing. Like the bonobos are a different group of primates that live. They're separated by a, a river. Chimps and bonobos. And they are like lovers. Yeah. And not fighters. They're, and like, they're all about like touching and loving. And they're yeah. It. They're, yeah, they're the they're the uh, primate version of a sex cult. Yeah, it's so cool, man. <laughs> Where can I sign up? <laughs> the reason, uh, another reason I was thinking of that song, Kung Fu Fighting, is that we watched this flick on Disney Plus, Raya and the Last Dragon. They put it out and it was like premiere access, which by the way, if you, if it's a new movie on a streaming service, they want like 35 bones for the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Cause they figure, you know, there's more, there's a few people watching. Sure. Yeah. This, so they got it figured out. It's great. So we waited for that to come off a of premiere. It just did. We watched that last night and finished it today. That is an amazing flick with some of the best kung fu fighting animated sequences i've ever seen and the overarching themes of this film are so timely and they are all about uh, i don't want to do any spoilers for you because this is i suggest everybody watch this it's spoiler eight avocados um uh there's a land and they are split by this evil force, right? And 
they're split into five kingdoms basically and um the dragons are involved um but it's all about division and then coming together and like the importance of like trusting one another and if we don't come together to fight this common foe like we're nothing we're done son (laughs) and so um amazing animation amazing character development such a cool story the dragon is a, a fantastic um God, it was really original and great. I will say though, there were some Disney tropes, and there's a princess, Raya, and <laughs> there's no mention of her mother. Usually, the mother dies or the mother's dead, yeah. But there's her father, and then part of it is her father is, ta- is th- this evil force turns people to stone, and her father is turned to stone. The, the parents always die in the Disney flicks. It's, yeah, it's a constant, especially the mother. The mother's dead. The mother's either gonna die <laughs> as part of the princess's development or she's just like not mentioned or just, just a, so it's a weird trope I don't know if anybody's noticed that uh, the Disney movie I always think of is Robin Hood and I remember the uh, the, the father is not around okay you know, the kids the, okay the rabbits are the, the, and, uh, and Robin Hood is like a retelling of a no, of right, a of previous tale, yeah. whereas all, you know a lot of Disney's are. Some of those are, but you're absolutely right. There is often, you know, and I wonder if that that's just kind of the most relatable tragedy for a kid. I guess I, I think it just like sets a dramatic scene right away. Like whatever else is happening, there's this like sadness because of lack of parents or. Um, this has got to go back to. Like they, they, there's only 23 plots or something. Have you ever heard that? No. There's a, there's only 23 plots in all of plotting. Oh yeah. Okay. And uh, there's probably some maybe Jameson. Uh, we could have him on for a little more. Uh, our our uh, house dramaturge could tell us a little bit more about that, like the uh, the Gresham. 23 plots, but it, there's... I feel like the listeners are thinking, maybe you guys could learn some of those plots. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find out more about it and get back to you, definitely. Let's see. I think I think whatever we do, we need to have a beat right now. I think maybe... Oh, do you need to look this up? I do, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, let's do this... Um, don't make me don't make me edit this thing mm-hmm. let's do a news cruise right now dude yeah I wish we had some pina coladas here um, in like an aft deck bar where we could just enjoy some pina coladas and play some shuffleboard and we could get caught in the rain and just talk about the news <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine Shafe and I just in an embrace in the rain talking about the news I, it, I'm i the correspondent today you gotta introduce me uh, local correspondent Matthew Rampy. Um, today's news cruise comes from well you know a shocker the BBC um, a documentary chronicling the highs and lows of the life and career of US actor Val Kilmer has been described by critics 
as poignant yet bittersweet. Val Kilmer film is poignant yet bittersweet, critics say. Val, which just debuted at Cannes, at Cannes, at the Cannes Film think, Festival. I think in that particular case, at, you at pronounced the, yes, Cannes. Cannes Film Festival, yeah, Cannes Film Festival. Featured 40 years of home recordings. So the guy has been filming himself for years, and they made a documentary about it. And there's scenes from, um, he, he, there's scenes from during his time filming all these movies with all these stars. Um, he was into the whole obsession with self-recording ahead of everyone else. He kept a video camera running at home on movie sets wherever he was. Variety's Owen Lieberman wrote. Um, what an what an arrogant dude! You just recorded himself talking all the time. Yeah, yeah. Where, you know what? What kind of <laughs> what kind what, of what kind of dram, you know self-serving dramatic uh, diva do you have to be to just record yourself talking? <laughs> just some kind of jerk face prick. Just... Two or one to three times a week. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? Somewhere between forty-five minutes what? and an hour and a half. I mean, what kind of? <laughs> personality flaw are you dealing with there deeply rooted mental problems yeah um just kidding just kidding it's a wonderful thing to do and we love val kilmer as as, as you know from a, a previous show that we did all about him we uh we know about val kilmer's um current situation we you know he's got throat cancer his voice has been taken away the film touches on him losing his brother who died in a hot tub during an epileptic seizure and left him. I'm sorry. I chuckled at that. I totally it left him raw with grief. Just age 17. That is terrible. This is from the article. Um, I, 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 I understand the chuckle though. Hot, hot tub. It's a little. That's just seem like they said they don't seem real. They seem like something that would only happen in the movies or something. Uh, this article also mentions um, a clash between Kilmer and director John Frankenheimer on the set of another film, The Island of Dr. Moreau, which was not considered a box office success if anyone was keeping score there. I think we're all aware of that. <laughs> like, what I remember about that show is that uh, uh, Marlon Brando insisted on wearing a muumuu the whole time or something like that. Yeah, right? yeah. Brando was like <laughs> way, way gone. And then you got so on that set there were refused to wear any of the costumes. He had like that weird hat, like the the Momo and the weird hat were all his. Like it wasn't it wasn't a production choice. <laughs> and when that set reminds me of this, where there's two giant personalities in the room <laughs> clashing, making art together, and dressing weird, and recording themselves all the time. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna have an easy time making a. a well, it'll have to be a radio play about our lives, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you, that you and I were going to start an island of Dr. Moreau, too. Uh, that's possible. Just I've, throwing that out there. I've been working on some things. For our friends in Hollywood. In my laboratory. The uh, Rachel with... Schuchert's and the Kevin Alejandro's of the gang. Let's, let's, let's make that happen. I've been working with hybrids, mostly of the cannabis strain. Let's, let's, let's walk that through the next, <laughs> next production meeting. <laughs> yeah, so that's the news cruise. I saw that. Yesterday on the BBC, and I thought, you know who I should share this with is uh, Shafee Hall. I am excited about that documentary, and uh, my my brother and I will be watching it. I guarantee you.
So, uh, anybody get at us lately? Anybody? Um... Well, as you know, Andy Bays got at us, as we discussed in the last episode. After uh, after we shut the shut the recording down and I got off the phone with you, I realized that just below Andy Bays' email was kind of lost in some like Twitter updates and stuff. Was an email from none other than our friend Choo Choo Express. I feel like this is going to be raw and emotional for me right now. Choo Choo Express, <laughs> who you know, as as we went into last, you know, in the last few episodes, we were wondering if maybe he and Andy Bass were the same person. Andy Bass has assured us that that's not the case. We got a voucher here, and then uh, yeah, there were these here. Are these twin emails came with two two had very different tones. So I'm inclined to go with Andy on this one. Okay. Uh, but Choo Choo Express wanted to wanted to weigh in on his vote for worst episode. Oh, good. Choo Choo says, unfortunately, I can't remember the episode number, but it was the one before the Texas versus Iowa State football game in 2020. Well, wait, that would be easy to look up. That would be easy to match up. The reason it's the worst was that Matthew mentioned that UT versus ISU was a huge game. I think you had talked about how beating West Virginia was some great accomplishment. Now, Matthew didn't do anything wrong because it was true that those were big games, but it reminded me of what a shit show UT football has been for the last decade. I'm more mad at UT football for sucking, but you asked us to pick a worst episode, so I used calling Iowa State a big game as the deciding factor. Uh, Choo Choo, thanks for your weighing in. I I do find that very amusing. Uh, I know a lot of people who share your frustration with the state of the University of Texas football organization. And uh, I think one of them might be sitting right next to me. Uh, it, it was, you know, in the fall, I feel like every game is a big game. Any any game you can find a reason to get excited for is fun to get excited about. So I definitely don't hold that against you, um, Matthew. And uh, But I also understand where Choo Choo is coming from. Now, Choo Choo, you do not qualify to win for this because... This particular contest was supposed to be a voicemail. Yeah, you got to call it. So unless you want to call back to the voicemail line, which I will provide you with the phone number right now. It's 512-786-0087. Yeah, you got three sixes. 512-766-6087. I remember because I told that stupid story about how to remember it. (laughs) Um, uh, so call us back and put it on the voicemail line and then choo choo, you can win. I think the real, um, golden nugget here is that we know more about who choo choo is. Yeah, we're definitely narrowing it yeah, down. Yeah, because it. it's obviously a, a UT fan, you know, because nobody, nobody cares about the sorry state of UT football except <laughs> true fans, <laughs> yep. you know, <laughs> so, um, Okay. Thanks, Choo Choo. We're, uh, we're, we're, we will find you. Choo Choo, the game, as they say, it continues to be afoot. Imagine me as Liam Neeson. I will find you, Choo Choo. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine me as Snake Plissken, Kurt Russell's character in uh, Escape from NY. Uh, not that that has anything to do with this. I just want you guys to imagine me that way. 
Okay, I made a ridiculous <laughs> su- suggestion of who Choo Choo might be last time. I thought it was Josh Dogmouth. <laughs> what if it's McConaughey? <laughs> I mean, with that comment... It may well be Matthew McConaughey. Hmm. He is a known UT football supporter. Why do I always think it's a male model? <laughs> I'm trying to be complimentary to the real Choo Choo. <laughs> you are a male model to me, Choo Choo. <laughs> Oh, uh, do you think that all of this, uh, do you think all of this attention has choo-choo non-plussed? Non-plussed? <laughs> do I say non-plussed funny? <laughs> I say it funny on purpose. Non-plussed? I just want to make sure that everybody knows that we're going into a full-fledged yield word shop. Yield word shop. Make no mistake. The workshop is upon us. One of Alex Battle's very favorite segments. Is this, it? How is Alex? Have you talked to him? I did. I talked to him for about an hour and a half oh, last night. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. Did you give him my love? I did. I, he needs to come here and talk to us again, and he really needs to come and see us here in Austin, Texas. We, uh, we're we going to get a visit out of him, okay. I'd say, within the next year. Oh, well, that's one way or the other. I was hoping like the next <laughs> month before that would be the awesome. end of the summer. That'd be awesome. I know. He's busy. He's, he, I know you're busy, dude. I know you're Bob Dylan on the side. And, <laughs> I think it's reasonable uh, to, to expect him down here in, in, in somewhere around the holiday season. Maybe we'll go see him. Yeah. Oh, there you, there yeah. you go. Yeah. Now we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> A little road trip. Yeah. Um, non-plussed. Matthew, oh, yeah, let's what, talk is, about what does non-plussed mean? I don't know, but I use it all the time, and I'm sure I'm using it incorrectly. <laughs> well, it turns out... It, it's virtually impossible to use it incorrectly. Nonplussed is surprise and confusion to such state that you are unsure how to react. Oh, I am totally using it incorrectly. I was, I, I, you were completely nonplussed and embarrassed by the idea. You were bewildered, amused, puzzled, Perplexed, baffled, and uh, and thoroughly perturbed. However, listen to definition two. This they, uh, uh, the dictionary calls this the informal North American definition, but it says of a person not disconcerted, unperturbed. Nonplussed has come to mean both its definition and its exact opposite definition just by virtue of repeated misuse. <laughs> Both definitions now are considered acceptable. Of Wait, what's the second one? Not disconcerted, unperturbed. Oh, okay. The exact opposite of the first meaning. Okay, that's <laughs> the way I've been using it. Exactly. And so many people have used it so wrong for so long that that has come to be considered an acceptable Second definition. I and mean, that's what word. it literally sounds like. It's, it's, it's not plussed about something. You're <laughs> negative about something. Yeah, I don't. I'm minus. I'm minus about this. I'm nonplussed. <laughs> Why does nonplussed have two meanings? <laughs> the OED describes the recent use of nonplussed to mean unperturbed rather than perturbed as originating and chiefly in the U.S., it suggests that the usage probably arose because of confusion with other non-words. <laughs> well, it, 
It has never been said that confusion doesn't reign in the U.S. <laughs> uh, the uh, I'm just trying to find a non plus. Uh, 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 sound. No, I want. I'm. I'm trying to find the origin. Oh, the, or the etymology. Yeah. Did I use that right? To see if that could shed any light on the situation, but I don't. I don't see it here. I'm sorry. Should I do that thing where I guess the origin? <laughs> Absolutely. Based off of you, like somewhat Play. decent. Guess the origin. Clues. Um. Well, I'm gonna go Latin because <laughs> you know if you're shooting in the dark, uh, how can you go wrong with that? Like it also kind of sounds French. Je ne parle pas français. A state of utter perplexity borrowed from the Latin phrase "non plus," not more, no further. Okay. A state of perplexity is one in which no more can be said or done. Yeah, yeah. If you're if you're looking for the root of a lot of words, go with Latin, <laughs> unless it has an X in it. He imitated the nonplussed expression of the character Spock on Star Trek. <laughs> That's the second definition. Yeah, the second definition. Oh, I'm glad. I like to use the second definition of things. I get tired <laughs> of the mainstream definition. So are you stoked about, uh, by the way, thank you for keeping communication alive right here in America <laughs> by just, sponsoring these yield workshops. You know, part of me is just astounded as part of me is nonplussed by the fact that a word can mean it's, it's definition and the exact opposite of yeah, its definition. I'm pretty nonplussed second definition. But, that. <laughs> but another part of me is nonplussed. And actually I think it, I think it's kind of, I think it's kind of cool that language, that that happens. language is that, uh, that language is so malleable and so fluid that, you know, that, that this kind of thing can happen. It's kind, mean, of, kind of exciting. Language is so malleable and fluid that this kind of thing can happen, like the <laughs> podcast, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that they would let two nudniks like us. Do a podcast. Speaking of which, nobody. Should, by the way, nobody's letting us do this. We should probably keep these. We should probably give everybody's ears a break, Matthew. I'm excited to get to the fights. Quite honestly, should we do a quick uh, poetry corner? Yeah, you're gonna pull one up on the interwebs. Yeah. Change this. Listeners' ears. Oh, I can hear the the prelims are over. The main car. My problem with the fights is that they they're so darn late. It's it's eleven minutes after nine p.m. and they the main card is just beginning. <laughs> so cool. I'm excited about. Um, I, I, after all uh, that's been said and done, I'm still kind of a Conor McGregor fan. He's kind of like he kind of reminds me of Val Kilmer in terms of. Uh, can you imagine somebody do acting like that? 
(laughs) (laughs) Or um, who's that other geezer we were talking about? Brando. Okay. You got one? Ray R.A. Howell's poem, Boxing Day. Oh, nice. You could shatter like a bobble, prick a heart with the things you said, but it was magic to be by you each afternoon sweet with sugar, a gift. You died on Boxing Day, oblivious to ribbons, mince pies, tinsel. There were the gifts we still hadn't given, shrouded in splinters, the falling rain of pine needles. Ooh, I like that. I'm sorry, guys, I pulled that one up. Yeah. <laughs> I typed boxing poem into, into Google, and that's, uh, that I think is an excellent poem. It was like a Russian roulette of uh, a poetry corner, right? It was intense. Uh, yeah, there's a, we are about to step into the violent world of of uh, mixed mixed martial arts. I hope that you and I are never in the octagon together. <laughs> I, <laughs> mean, I mean, maybe if we're training the same fighter, but not, you know, against each other. <laughs> um, like, I hope that we're never in the octagon with any of you guys either out there. One magical universe. Um, we love you. Uh, please rate us on Apple Podcasts. And um, the... And uh, the poorer the uh, how does it the poorer the choices, the sweeter the fight. Nice. Rain is falling. It's Saturday night. Birds are looking for shelter with all their might. And you and I were laughing. About yesterday's fight You hold my hand and you sip your beer The music's soft and we sit so near You and I were laughing about yesterday's tears Funny how a sudden rain Doesn't seem to ever change a thing
organism We feed on suffering and maybe that's the reason We make each other so mad But right now when it feels so good